Second Peter chapter one. We're going to go back. We'll continue on. <clears throat> excuse me, in our series on sanctification, becoming more like Christ. Second Peter chapter number one, and we'll read again. Just to kind of refresh us about this portion of scripture. Try to get right on into the message tonight. Second Peter chapter number one. Look at verse number one. The Bible says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith uh, with us through the righteousness of God and of and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord according as his divine power had given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. <clears throat> and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins." Uh, the title of the message tonight is Moving On to Godliness. Moving On to Godliness. Let's pray. We'll get started. <clears throat> Father, I'm very, very thankful uh, for the safety that you gave us uh, on our trip these past several days. And I'm thankful that you have us back in service tonight. And we pray, dear God, that you just help us as we look into your word tonight, that you'd use it uh, in our lives uh, that you would help us to be more like Christ because of what we hear tonight and what we yield to as the Spirit deals with us. We need your power to preach, Father. We're trusting you for that. We just ask for your guidance, uh, Lord, clarity of thought and speech, <clears throat> uh, Lord, and, and just the boldness to say what needs to be said. We ask these things and trust you for them in Jesus Christ's wonderful name. Amen and amen. Thank you very much, and you may be seated. We've been looking into the Bible's staircase, staircase of sanctification, taking steps to get closer to the Lord, be closer to the Lord, be more Christ-like. Um, and it shows us the steps God wants us to take on the journey toward Christ-likeness. Faith starts the journey. We started there and add to your faith virtue. We trusted Christ as our personal Savior. He saved our soul. <clears throat> That's where it all started. Our faith in Christ brings us into God's family, and it forms the foundation for really all the changes that God will make in our lives from that very point forward. And then add to your faith virtue. Virtue directs our hearts toward the goal, truly, of becoming more like Christ, <clears throat> a willingness to follow Christ. We embrace God's plan and we begin that process of transformation, God changing us, doing what he can only do. And add, your, add virtue knowledge, and knowledge gives us the truths that we need to see uh, our lives from God's perspective. It, isn't it an amazing thing once you get saved and you really begin to see yourself the way you are? 
not the way you thought you were. No, come on. I mean, you really begin to see yourself the way that God sees you. I mean, boy, oh boy. And it opens our eyes, doesn't it? It opens, it's like, man, oh man, there's some changes have to be made. There's some difference. There's some things that, that I need to do differently in my life. And, and he does that. The word of God does that. And, and, it, and it brings things into God's perspective and, and the understanding of, of how our lives need to, need to conform <clears throat> to the image of Jesus Christ and that to knowledge temperance. And temperance trains us to depend upon God's Spirit to reject what Jesus rejects and to choose what Jesus would choose. And that, of course, is denying self so that we can become more like Christ. The thing is, and you already know this, but the thing is, is if we're not willing to deny ourself, we'll never be more like Christ. It's just not going to happen. Oh, no, 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 no. We can't be who we are and be like Christ too. It's not going to happen. And so the temperance, as we practice temperance in our life, we deny self so that we can be, uh, become more like Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the temperance, patience. And of course, patience enables us to wait on God. It enables us to endure the trials of life because there are trials in this life. You know, those trials that uh, mold us and make us and shape us and strengthen us, um, that we might grow into the maturity and that we might finish our race victoriously. And it is important. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. And so it takes patience, doesn't it, to live the Christian life. Somebody help me out here. I'm telling you, it takes patience to live the Christian life because it just seems, in some days, it seems like at every turn, at every turn, you need a little bit more patience. Come on. Okay. You're not as carnal as I am then because I mean, some days it's just harder than other days to live the Christian life, to treat people the way that we should, to respond the way that we should, to think the way that we should, to talk the way that we should, all these different things. It takes patience and waiting on God and asking God to help us with everything that we're trying to do to be more like Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Excuse me. The, the steps of temperance and patience, they teach us the, the, that the process of becoming like Christ, it just, it's just not always easy. Uh, obedience to Christ can require us to do some very hard things. I'll say that again. Being obedient to Jesus can require us to do some very hard things. <clears throat> Sunday morning, I talked a lot about the, the duties of the pastor and, and the responsibilities of the pastor. And, and, and I want you to understand, and, and I, I don't want to just rehash that message by any stretch. I want to preach this message. But I want you to understand that, that it's my, it is my responsibility to tell you what God says about how we're supposed to live. And then you have to decide whether or not you're going to do that. You have to decide that. I can't make you do that. And I don't want you to do it just for me. Because it really doesn't mean a whole lot if you do it just for me. I'm telling you, it's important that we do those things for God. It's very, very important. And so we have to decide that we're going to be, be obedient to the Lord. Now that's, come on, look up here. That's, that's a little bit harder. And you know why that's harder? Because you don't have him just staring you right in the face. No, he's there all the time. And I'm thankful for the precious Holy Spirit. Come on, that deals with our heart when he deals with us. And he tries to help us and guide us in the truth and all that. I'm very thankful for that. But it's not like we have a physical presence of a God that's standing right there looking at us. And so it's a little bit tougher, isn't it? 
Because at times, if we're not careful and we, and we uh, wander away from God, I mean, pretty soon we don't feel, we don't feel like we have to be accountable, accountable at all to God. But we are every second that we live. Once we're saved by the grace of God, we are accountable to Him. And we have to realize that He is there all the time, 24-7. I mean, 365. He is always there. And He is always there. No, no, no. Not only, not only to correct us if needs be, He is there to, to uh, strengthen us and encourage us and help us. But that part of the whole story takes us being close to Him. It takes us being in His Word day by day it takes us talking to him first thing in the morning and asking him to help us throughout the day it takes us speaking to him throughout the day and asking for that help that we need the strength that we need the courage that we need to live the life that he would have us to live in this lost and dying world because it does take courage sometimes too doesn't it I mean, truly, come on. I mean, just to stand up, stand up for Jesus and be a soldier of the cross is not always an easy thing to do, especially when you're around a crowd of, and I'm sorry for the word, but especially when you're around a crowd of heathen, I'm talking about people that don't care anything about God or anything about Jesus Christ and would mock you and ridicule you for trying to live that life. Sometimes it takes courage to stand up, doesn't it? Truly. And so we have to be obedient. It, we, our obedience to Him, He strengthens us through, through everything if we, will, if we will take those hard steps. When we need to take the hard steps, if we will take those hard steps, He's always, 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 always there for us. Sometimes things are hard. Remember Abraham? I mean, he was instructed by God to offer his son, his only son Isaac, as a sacrifice on Mount Moriah. And Abraham proved that his faith was strong by his obedience. But that doesn't mean that the journey toward the mountain was an easy journey. Going up the mountain knowing what God wanted him to do. Each step. Each step that he took toward that was, was, was also a test of Abraham's endurance and, and his complete obedience through that, that trial of faith. That it proved, it really proved his depth of uh, devotion to God. And, and, and you know, when God, stopped, when God stopped Abraham's hand as he, as he raised that knife, when he stopped his hand there on, on the mountain, he said to Abraham, Now I know that thou fearest God. That's what God said to him. No, no, now I know that thou fearest God. It's a real good thing for us to have that healthy fear of God, that we would be obedient to God, no matter what he might ask us to do. And now, here we are at this step of godliness. And this step of godliness is a step that deepens our devotion to God. Our devotion to God. It is the step that allows <clears throat> excuse me, others to, to see that we love God so much that we fear disappointing or disobeying Him in any way. No, no, that, 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 no, 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 come on, come on. That, 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 we, that we love God so much that we love Him. I mean, we have this opportunity to show people how much we love God by doing what He would do. I mean, being fearful of disappointing Him. 
Sanctification is a process whereby we become like Christ in everything. In everything. The doctrine of sanctification is still a wonderful doctrine in the Bible. And, and he wants us to be totally sanctified. We are sanctified in Christ, understand that. But he wants us to be set apart. He wants sanctified down here as we, as we walk through this life. Godliness is a step that shows that we have come to a place where we don't want to displease God in anything. I don't want to displease God. Well, I tell you what, if that's a main thought in our mind throughout the day, every day, it's going to help us to live the life that God would have us to live. It's going to help us to be Christ-like out there in the world and along with co-workers and family and wherever, wherever we might be in whatever situation we might be in. I mean, when we get to that point, I mean, truly, we don't want to displease God in anything. Well, preacher, I just don't know if that's possible. Look, look, as hard as we try, we do know this. God understands that there will be failures along the way. Aren't you glad he understands? But we have to quit using that for some type of excuse. I, I, I think, especially in the day and time that we're living in right now, where, I mean, well, it's just dark times in our world. Isn't it very important that we are light that shines? Isn't it very important that we are totally dedicated to God in such a way that people would see a difference in the way that we, well, every part of our life and whatever we do? I mean, I don't want to be more like the world. Ever since God saved me 37 years ago, I've been working hard to be less like the world. To be set apart for him and used by him however he, however he would use me. In whatever small way that he might be able to use me. That's what I want. And that's what you want. I know it is because you're here Wednesday night. And I'm very thankful. But it takes effort on our part. God has done so much for me, Brother John. I mean, he's done so many things that I could not have done. And I'm thankful for everything that he has done that I could not have done. And every good thing is, is what he has helped me to do or he has done in my life. But I'm telling you, he, he, he wants us to continue to try. It's not that we're just waiting on him to do more. I mean, we're going to put forth the effort. We're going to put forth our best foot. We're going to do the things that God, we know that God would have us to do. And we're going to refrain from those things for which we know God would have us to refrain. That we we might apply this godliness, take this step of godliness. So let's think about the definition of, of, of godliness. Uh, we know that godliness is devotion to God. Just talked about that. The English term godliness, it's, here's a definition that comes from the Webster's Collegiate Dictionary. It, it means divine or from or like God or devoted to God. It means pious or devout. It goes on, marked by reverence for deity and devotion to worship. I like that. Reverence for deity and devotion to worship. Now hold it, hold it, look up here. I'm thankful that we get to come in here at times and have an opportunity to worship God right here. I'm thankful for every time we do. But if, if, if all the worship that you do happens in this room, you're destined for failure. And I'm not talking about praise. And I think we ought to praise God on our own too, man. I'm telling you, sometimes going down the road in my truck, I mean, it's like hallelujah, glory to God. I mean, it's, there's times for praise. But I'm talking about worship. Worship. True worship, you find in the Bible, true worship is done with your uh, face bowed toward the ground. 
True worship is when God speaks to your heart about something and, and you are yielding to Him. Lord, I, I know that I need to do better in this. Lord, I need your help in this. I mean, you're just yielded and obeying Him at that time. Come on, that's what the mourner benches are all about. That's what this altar is all about. It's a place that you can come and say, Lord, I've failed you again. But I know you're there for me. I know you're my heavenly Father. I know you love me more than I can understand. I know you'll never kick me to the curb. Somebody say amen right there. I know that you're always there for me, and I need your help again. I need your strength. I need your guidance. I need your wisdom. I need your discernment. I need your discretion. Lord, I just need you more than I need the next, my next breath. I need you. I need your help. And, and Lord, I, I, I give myself to you. Oh, preacher, I gave myself to the Lord a long time ago. You know, sometimes it's just pretty good to do it again, and then again, and then again, and again. And then again, because we're prone, aren't we? Because our heart is still beating and we're breathing air. We're prone to uh, take back what we have given God. No, we're prone to do that because of our own sinful nature that's still there after we're saved by the grace of God. But God's always there. And, and no, no, and he's ready to receive. And we ha do have to remember that he's God of a second chance and a second chance and a second chance. Because when we come truly repentant and confessing, he not only forgives, but he forgets. And so we go back to him. We go, oh, Lord, I failed again. He goes, when did you fail last time? No, no, no. He's there ready to forgive again and ready to help us again. Come on, that's our God. That step toward godliness, more like Christ, yielded to Him, wanting to do, I, I, mean, I mean worshiping Him, even throughout the day as we need to do that. In, in Paul's day, the term was applied to any deeply religious person. His, his worship, his service of, uh, of, of his God, whatever it was, was, was a consuming passion. And you know, isn't it something that there are people around this world that practice different religions that are more passionate about their little G God than we are about our real God? No, they spend more time praying than we do. They spend more time with Him than we do. They're more devoted. I mean, even to the point of tying bombs onto their body and going and blowing up themselves and other people for their little G-God. And all God asks us to do is live for Him. No, don't look down. It's not time to pray. I I I'm telling you, it all God asks us to do is to live for Him. And we ought to be that devoted. For everything, after everything He's done for us and saving our soul and saving us from hell, mercy sakes alive. Our, our, our life needs to be totally devoted to Him. A, a godly person has a, has a God-centered life. Uh, everything in his life just revolves around who God is and, and what God wants for his life. Because truly, no, 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 Tru truly, we can know exactly what God wants for our life, can't we? No, it's right here. We know what He wants for our life. Well, preacher, can you tell me God's perfect will for my life? No, I can't. But I can tell you God's revealed will for your life. Because it is, it, no, no, it's revealed to every one of us how we're supposed to live on a day-to-day -day basis. How we are supposed to be obedient to God, submitted to Him. How, are we, how we are supposed to refrain from evil. How we are supposed to, to yield ourselves in every part of our life to a wonderful, wonderful God. It, it tells us that. I mean, just devoted. I mean, we, our life needs to just revolve around. God. <clears throat> so 
Someone wrote in a daily devotional, they wrote this, listen to this. Whatever we may say godliness is, it is not skin deep. Godliness is something below the surface of a life, deep down in a realm of attitude. An attitude toward God himself. Godly people possess an attitude of willing submission to God's will and ways. Whatever he says, goes. And whatever it takes to carry it out is the very thing the godly desire to do. That's quite a statement, isn't it? I mean, truly. I mean, and very, very, very good. An attitude toward God himself. They possess an attitude of willing submission to God's will and ways. So godliness is a devotion to God that leads to holiness in life. Holiness in life. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 11 says, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of person ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? And when it talks about holy conversation there, it's not talking about con- con- conversing in the way we're thinking and talking. Holy conversation has a holy lifestyle. We ought to have a holy lifestyle. There's so many things, man, oh man, oh man. There's so many things that intrude into that in our lives today, isn't there? No, that, that intrude into our holy lifestyle. Come on. Have you, ever left a, have you ever left a church service? I mean, man, God spoke to you. You came down. I mean, absolutely convinced. This is it. I'm living for God. Once and for all, everything that's bad is out of here. All these things. Come on. And, and I, mean, I mean, God dealt with you and it's like that. And, and, and it wasn't 24 hours before something intruded. And now in the, in the world that we live in, it, it, it usually doesn't even take that long because we got everything so accessible. I write at our fingertips, all these different things vying for our attention. Would God that, that, that we would allow, would God that we would allow his Bible to be a mainstay? I mean, that would be the one thing that we would grab for instead of grabbing for our computer, telephone, smart pad, whatever the case may be. That we would be very, very careful about what we take in through our eye gate and through our ear gate. That, that we would be very, very careful about who we are around and when we're around them. I mean, it's so very important. But even though we have all these things, even though we have all these things, and, and, and it is very possible to, to be, I mean, to make that sincere devotion to God and, and, and then for things to happen. But mercy sakes alive, we have to decide we're going to take that step toward godliness, that it's more important to obey God. And so that we're going to refrain from any of those things. And if those things are hurting our devotion to God and our obedience to God and our submission to God, then we probably need to get them out of our life. No, no, I mean, even if, even if it's for a time, a time of fasting, okay, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay off the internet, okay, I'm going to stay off of Facebook, okay, I'm going to stay away from all these different places that just seem to, that seem to take up so much of my attention and so much of my time, and, and it seemed to influence me in a way that's contrary to what God would have me to, to do. I mean, even if, we would, even if we would abstain from that, even if we would fast for something like that for 10 days... I think we would be amazed. Well, maybe I need to just turn off my television set for 10 days. Maybe I need to just turn off all music besides really good godly music for 10 days. I mean, something just to make ourselves completely devoted. Get something out of our life that seems to be pulling on us all the time. Just get it out. 
I mean, a step toward godliness, that total obedience to God. And I know, I know, I know, boy, the devil and the flesh, they like to lie to us. It's like, well, that's not that bad. And that preacher, he's just too old-fashioned. And it's not like you can't look at that and still have a good life and all these things. But I'm telling you, the devil's a liar. He's a deceiver. And if there are things that are influencing your mind in such a way that shouldn't influence your mind, maybe it's just good to get away from a little while. Maybe we begin to understand how much they really are influencing us if we get away from them for a little while. Truly. Really. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust of your, in your ignorance. Before you knew what, how God looked at you. Verse 15. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. That means lifestyle. Because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. The heart that is devoted to pleasing God produces a life that is pleasing to God. No, 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 don't miss that. The heart that is devoted to pleasing God produces a life that is pleasing to God. The call to holiness is a call to be separated from this world and from its ways and and completely dedicated to pleasing God in every realm of our lives. But there's a development, truly, the development of godliness. We have to constantly be building our, our relationship with God. I mean, it's, it's constant. If we're, if we're not constantly building on it, it's, it we're not, we're not going to do well. So we know all, already to have a daily personal devotional time with the Lord. Psalm 63, verse 1, O God, Thou art my God, early will I seek Thee. My soul thirsteth for Thee, my flesh longeth for Thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is, to see Thy power and Thy glory, so as I've seen Thee in the sanctuary, because Thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise Thee. The fact is, the, 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 the moment that you stop building your relationship to God, it will begin to deteriorate. It doesn't stay the same. You, you can't level out. It, it, it just starts going downhill. So we have to commit to following, following Bible truth. Bible truth. Titus chapter 1 verse 1. Paul, a servant of God and apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and to the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness. Titus chapter 2, verse 1, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, solid Bible. On down in verse number 11, in chapter 2 of Titus, it says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared uh, 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 to all men, teaching us, listen to this, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly. When? In this present world, right now. It's what the Word of God says. I mean, looking for the appearing of our great God. Every day. Look, Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. He could come back anytime. We ought to be looking for His appearing. I mean, we ought to be living like he's going to be standing beside us at any given moment. That will help us a lot in what we're doing, what we're looking at, what we're listening to. I mean, that will help us a whole lot. William Hendrickson said, sound doctrine goes hand in hand with the life of sanctification. Sound doctrine. I'm glad we have this Bible. Man, I'm glad. What is is y'all's doctrine down there at Riverside Baptist Church? It's it. 
No, it's nothing outside of this. This is our doctrine. I mean, right there, I'm very, very thankful. I'm thankful for it. The truth of God's Word changes a life from ungodliness to holiness, doesn't it? Okay, I'm going to say it again. The truth of that Bible changes a life from ungodliness to holiness. Absolutely so. It's life-changing. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Any teaching that does not lead to godliness is not to be trusted. Well, I just want to live a better life. Well, I want to live a better life too, but I don't want to live just a good life. I want to live a godly life. Let's talk about the display of godliness. What do you mean, preacher? Well, displaying godliness. That would be obeying the commands of Christ. Obeying his commands. Over in John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. And, and that's something. I'm, no, no, no. I'm, that, that, that truth, that verse, I mean, that, that statement that Jesus made ought to ring in our hearts on a, on a regular basis. If you love me, Jesus said, keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. See, the proof of love is not what we say with our lips but it's what we do with our lives if my devotion to God doesn't lead to obedience in Christ to Christ it isn't godliness okay with a little work you can put on a good front can't you Come on, follow me here, please. With a little work, with a little work, really, with a little work, you can live a, quote unquote, pretty good life. No, you, no, no, with a little work, you can live a life that even looks good in front of other people, can't you? Are y'all following me here? But that doesn't mean it's a godly life. Because godliness is, it's, it's, we, I said it earlier, it's more than skin deep. It's not just what you're reflecting on the outside. Godliness goes way down deep. It, it comes from inside. It, it's that thing that makes you determine that I will do what God does. I don't care what anybody else does. No matter where I'm at, who I'm with, nothing. I will do what God wants me to do. It comes from here. From down deep. That, that you're going to be obedient to God. No matter what. It's not just some outward showing trying to make other people think you're a good person. It's something that comes from down deep. That devotion that leads to obedience. Because it's not good to just have a form of godliness. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 5 says, Having, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. So it's easy to dress up the outside some and just be a good person, but deny the power of God really changing us from the heart. And, and I, I do believe that if we're not careful, it's pretty easy to walk there. <clears throat> so if we're going to do that, if we're going to display godliness, we have to reject the corruption of the world. It's important that we do so. Turn over to 1 John 2. 
First John 2. Come on, it's not very far over there. First John 2. First John two chapter first uh, John two chapter first John two verse number twelve. Look at this. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven, uh, because your sins are forgiven you for your for His name's sake. Come on, brain. Verse thirteen. I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known Him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. Verse 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The world is, the world is everything. Listen, listen. The world is everything, every teaching, every practice, every desire, every ambition that opposes the will of God. It is the very opposite of the of it is the very opposite of thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That we learn from Jesus Himself. Someone has well said, worldliness is whatever makes sin look normal and righteousness look strange. Well, that's a good one right there, isn't it? Whatever makes sin look normal and righteousness look strange. Would you say that we're living in a time where they like to magnify that? It's true. Because worldliness is a serious problem. No, no, to to us that are trying to live for the Lord, worldliness is a serious, serious problem. The Bible says, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. No, that's strong words. It didn't come from Bill Marshall. It came from God himself. It's really something Christians used to talk about worldliness and, and fear its creeping influence. I mean, it was like, man, I don't want to be like, no, no, no. But today, if you talk about Today, if you're somewhere and you talk about you talk about dressing in a dressing in a worldly way, or or spending your money in a worldly way, or or, or seeking worldly entertainment, I mean, you're bound to hear scoffing from somebody. You know, I don't want to be that way, and and and, and I, I I don't I don't want to be going to those places, and I don't want to be doing those things, and people are going to be looking at you like you got a third eye. Worldliness is what our grandparents what our grandparents were uptight about. That's why they work so much harder to stay away from it than we do in today's generation.
We simply don't believe. Please listen to me. I'm right. I'm right. It done. We simply don't believe that friendship with the world is enmity with God. But the Bible says it is. Come on, we're talking about step of godliness. It's important that we allow God to have His way. It's important that we are that we are willing to give to the cause of Christ. Second Corinthians chapter number eight and verse number seven says, Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that ye should abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others to prove the sincerity of your love. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor that ye through his poverty might be rich. Willing to just sacrifice. Godly Christians prove the depth of their devotion by the way that they graciously give to the things of God. Come on, whether we're talking about time or money or talent, whatever, in giving to God. Whatever he desires. Come on, I'm not talking about just putting money in an offering plate, unless that's what God's dealing with you about. But just the willingness just to give it all to God. It really all belongs to him anyway. Everything that we have belongs to him. We just, have to, we just need to be willing to give whatever he would have us to give. I like this quote by Charles Spurgeon. He said, maturity in grace makes us willing to part with worldly goods. Man, oh man. Oh boy. A godly life's an unselfish life. So let me close with this. Because godliness doesn't happen overnight. Godliness is a process. Every day by the choices that we make, we have the opportunity to deepen to deepen our devotion to God. Get that. Please get that. Come on. Every day by the choices that we make, we have the opportunity, the opportunity to deepen our devotion to God. God intended it to be that way. If not, if not, look over here. If not, he'd have just changed us like that when we got saved. But he didn't, did he? No, because he wants us to yield to him because of that love that we should have for him. The love we should have for him. Because he loved us so much first. I get this statement. You may have to chew on it for a while. 
the Christian life, a real godly life, Christian life is not just a religious life. Because it is easy to go through all these religious motions and steps and not live a godly life. The Lord wants more than that for us. What it is, is an ongoing, growing relationship with God. That we get to know Him better. That we yield to Him more. That we love Him that much more. The more that we grow to love Him, the more we will grow to be like Him. Don't miss that. The more we grow to love Him, the more we will grow to be like Him. And as our love for Him deepens the more we want to please him i want to please him that much more the more i love him and the more i want to please him the more i do not want to disappoint him we, we grow to love him so much that we want to please him in everything and, and we don't want to deny him anything and he becomes the very heart and soul of our lives He's our everything. He's our all in all. The teen sung about it. It's my all in all. Is he? No, I mean in your life now. Is, is he? One thing to sing the song. Another thing truly for him to be our all in all. That step toward godliness and obedience. Complete submission to him. Loving him so much that we don't want to disappoint him, no matter what we might do. I'm thankful he continues to work on us. I'm thankful that he's long-suffering. And I'm thankful that we can draw strength from him to live the kind of life that we just talked about. But if we're going to draw strength from him, we have to be coming to him to get what we need. Let's stand for a moment. Heavenly Father, thank you that you love us the way that you do. And we can't even begin to put it together how much you love us. There's no way we could fully understand the love that you have for us. And our prayer tonight is that you just help us love you. To love you back the way we're supposed to. Lord, I love you. Help me to love you more. Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. I don't know how you've spoken to hearts tonight, Lord. I just pray that folks would yield to you whatever, in whatever area of their life that's not yielded, that tonight they would come yield. And whatever, whatever they might be struggling with, even today, I pray they'd come and talk to you about it. Whatever area of their life continues to defeat them over and again, no matter how many times they seem to give it to you, I pray they would come tonight, Lord, and just ask you to help them to overcome that they might move on and, and, and just continue to grow more mm, deeper and deeper in love with you and more committed to live the life that you would have them to live. We need your help, Lord. We can't do it without you. Bless this time tonight around the altar, we pray, please. 
And we ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Piano's going to